sang this song to me There was a message in this melody Sweetest lyrics that I ever heard There's a message in the songs of earth Tomorrow is another day Living is the only way Tomorrow's gonna ever come Listen to the words of the song Everything gonna be Everything is gonna be To everyone that is watching me and joining me tonight, I want to thank you for setting aside the time to watch this, this version of a Sip of Inspiration podcast. No matter whether you're doing it live or you're doing it later on a recording, you are going to learn some great things about how to embrace your awesome. Joining me today is Jacqueline Shawless, who's the founder of Awesome Enterprises, and her mantra is embrace your awesome. Um, we were just talking about how we met a little bit before, so we think it's at a, we were both at a different event and we met that way, but anyway, I just knew that I needed to have her on for this show because she's got an awesome background. Before we get started, I want to uh, thank my sponsor. Uh, when you need a supply company to rise to your needs, call Resource Industrial Supply Equipment. They have been our faithful sponsor for every episode, and I am so excited. If you're watching this show, thank you very much. If you're watching it live, you are watching it on Facebook at EmpowerDR. That's my personal Facebook page. If you're at Empowerment Doctor on Facebook, that's me too, but you won't see this there until later. I want you to go out to my website, ChampagneConnection.com, where you'll see all of the podcasts and pick up some merchandise. And as I always promise, I'm going to wear some one day. I promise I will wear some. I'll do it at the end of next month. I promise. Okay, so... <laughs> so I want to thank you all for that. I want you to put questions that you may have in the comment section on my Facebook page, personal page, Stephanie Wilson Coleman, Empowerment Doctor. And uh, we have someone that is actually watching that page. And if you see me looking down from time to time, I'm watching it too, so I can get some questions because we are going to answer your questions. So with that, Jacqueline not only is the founding chief, of Awesome Enterprises. She guides introverted, introverted women of color to get seen, heard, and respected by guiding them to tap into their power source of transformation across four key areas of expression, communication, leadership, motivation, and spirituality. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> It's been months in the making, right? Yes, it has been. You have a busy schedule and you make me so proud. I go out and read your stuff and look at your website. It's like, oh, I'm just so proud of her. She just doesn't know. Thank you. I appreciate it. Tell us how you got started and, and why the focus on introverted women. And what is introversion? Because some people don't know. Some people think just because you've got this budding personality and all of that, that you must be an extra, an extrovert. And then you find yes. out you're not. Right. Well, there's a lot there. Um, I'll, I'll take it from, from the top with defining what introversion is, because I think that's a key um, element to not only understanding my story, but understanding how each of us can find ourselves within that story. So when people hear the word introvert, they typically think of someone who's very quiet, who's shy, might be antisocial, who might be uninterested. Um, there are all of these negative connotations when it comes to introversion, none of which have anything to do with introversion. You can be quiet and also extroverted. You can be a shy extrovert. You can be an anxious extrovert and gasp. You can be a boring <laughs> extrovert. Introversion is simply a descriptor for how someone processes stimulation. So how we process and make sense of our world. For introverts, we need to internally process, 
meaning that we're taking in an abundance of stimulation from our environment, from our conversations, from our own thoughts about our environment and our conversations. And we need time away from stimulation in order for our brains to process and make sense of our world. And once our brain kind of sorts through all that we've taken in, then we can form an opinion, a response, um, a way to proceed with the information. Extroverts are on the opposite side of that, where they need to engage with their world because they are external processors. So whereas introverts need time to think through what's going on in their world, extroverts need time to actually talk through what they're thinking, walk through what they're thinking, having lots of different things that are going on. And in this engagement, their brains are sifting through all, all of the things that are happening in their world. And I, it's important to understand that distinction that it's simply a matter of processing stimulation, nothing more and nothing less, because a lot of the focus in, in many Western cultures um, is that if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to be an extrovert. You'll have to be wild, you'll have to be engaging, you'll have to do all of these things. And by default, if you are not loud, if you're not engaging, if you're not at the forefront of everyone's attention, then by default, you will not be successful. Both of these things are wrong. <laughs> they are very incorrect. And so I, I want to start there because with having that understanding, I think it, it adds the proper context for when, where do we fit in mm -hmm. to the spectrum and then also understanding, you ask like, how did all of this begin for me? For me, I always knew that there were certain aspects of my life that would be, like, I don't know how I knew, I just knew. Um, I always knew that I would be on stages speaking in front of large crowds. I always knew that I would be a best-selling author. In fact, in kindergarten, my aspiration was not to be a doctor or a lawyer. It was to be a New York Times best-selling author. So as a kid, my aspirations were a little different um, than perhaps some, but I had this intrinsic knowing that this is okay, this is the sky is blue, the grass is green, I'm going to do these things. But I also recognize that I need time away from everyone else just to kind of, to just have time to think, just to let my brain breathe, you know, I, I need right. time away. And the, the challenge has always, or at least previously, it had always been, how can these two things coexist? And there really wasn't any one or anything to say, you can be introverted and also you can be successful, but these are not mutually exclusive. Uh, the work that I now do and the reason why I focus specifically on introverted women, that started just because of conversations I was having with colleagues and even with clients about the way their introversion was being used against them. So for a number of the women that I worked with, especially within corporate spaces, what would happen is that their quiet nature, because they are black women or brown women, it would be treated as if this is a reason to exclude you from opportunities, from raises, from promotions, from engagement, because if you are an ethnic woman, you should be insert stereotype. And by not fitting that stereotype, not only are you not showing up the way that you should, but now you're not even representing your demographic well. Um, and to the point where numerous women stated that they were being told this. And so my curiosity, because part of what we do as introverts is we like to think through and learn about things, is trying to figure out why might this be? Why were these same conversations happening across the country, across industries? And sadly, there's no research on this topic. There's nothing that's within the academic space or like data statistics that we can point to, mm -hmm. even though there are thousands of women sharing their personal experiences of being told that they couldn't get a promotion because they're too quiet. Or I don't know what you're thinking. You're so quiet. I don't, I don't oh, know what yes. you're thinking. Those kinds of comments not being applied to other quiet members um, of the office and kind of the ramifications for that not really applying to other women, mm -hmm. <laughs> to other men and others of color. It's a unique experience the way that those reactions happen for introverted women of color. So that's what prompted me was just out of curiosity. Like why is, 
why are there so many women telling the same story thinking that they're the only one? They're not. Um, and so that's that kind of brings us up to where I am now with my work with kind of doing a, a two lane highway, if you will, where one empowering the women themselves, regardless of ethnicity, um, but guiding them so that they are leaning into the gift of their introversion, um, instead of looking at it as something that needs to be like pretend that you're not an introvert, um, leaning into those gifts and then crafting a strategy for it, but also documenting and quantifying our experiences. Because until we have numbers and statistics and percentages, we don't exist. So that's, those are kind of the two lanes of, um, of service, if you will, that I bring forth on the topic. But let's dig into something else. Like all of that was like one question, right? Because that was a really loaded question. <laughs> you, you, you said something that really like woke my up, tapped me on my shoulders is when I worked in, um, with a large organization and God, I, I managed 75% of the employees, my boss, who was of course, would be like the vice president, the president, I guess. You often say, we don't know what you're thinking. So, because, you know, I say what I have to say. I know that some people assume I'm an extrovert, but that's not what my Briggs said. I said, I'm an introvert. But, and I, I when you thought, when you said that, I says, I, that's right, because I have to go away and think about it and process it and see how it feels. And then, you know, and I've got a spiritual nature, so I've got to see how it speaks to me. And you're right, people get a little nervous when they don't know what you're thinking. It's yes. like, give me a minute, I'll let you know what I'm thinking when I know what I'm thinking. <laughs> cool. And the thing that something that something about that, that I've found interesting so far, and just the kind of the research, that experience of not knowing what someone is thinking, that seems to be a fairly unique experience to black and brown women. Yes. These types of comments are not happening to introverted white women or to introverted men of any caliber. Um, and that part was interesting to me that some of these, these kind of comments, like why, why don't it's like the equivalent of you know, woman's walking by and some random guys like, well, why don't you smile? Beautiful. It's like the same, like, what? <laughs> like, why are you? I was perfectly happy, minding my business, doing my job. Can you right. please just keep right. walking on by and not need to comment on me? <laughs> I think I said one day, you know what? I was, I was quite happy sitting over here minding my own thoughts. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. For, let me just let me just plug this in right quick before we get to the next question. For, for any of the extroverts or extrovert adjacent, because introversion and extroversion, it's a spectrum. Um, mm -hmm. It's not an either or, it's a spectrum. So for, for our dear ones, <laughs> who are more on the extroverted side of things, if you are so moved by someone's silence or just them, them being kind of in, in some space isolated, you may mean well by asking if there's something wrong with them. You know, are, are you okay? You're just so quiet. One, that's not helpful to us, um, right. but also you are, are now creating a situation where we are no longer okay. We were okay. We were perfectly fine and content and happy and joyous sitting there quietly, minding our own business as an introvert that is, it's crucial and it's a part of where we get our joy and our energy. And so your comment, <laughs> well intended as it may be, that's what causes something to be wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> just be mindful, beloved, be mindful of, of making these types of comments because these sorts of things, and it, that goes back to like microaggressions. Right. A lot of times people are well intending, especially within our family circles and, and our closed social dynamics, people don't mean harm when they're telling you, you just need to stop being an introvert. You need to get out of your shell. They don't mean anything harmful by that. But what they're actually saying is the way that you are is intrinsically flawed. 
if you don't want to be flawed, you need to stop being who you are and be someone else. The way to be someone else is to stop doing this whole quiet thing as if it's just like a choice and do more of this other thing. And then once you do that, you'll be happy, you'll be successful. Do you hear how different that is than just saying like, get out of your shell? You're telling the person, even though your intention is, I want the best for you. I want you to get everything that is good in life. And I don't, I'm not sure that you can in this mode, but what we as introverts are hearing is completely different, completely different. Okay. I'm yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've been told a lot. I just <laughs> she doesn't talk to me. I don't know what she's thinking. It's like, okay. I was thinking about that. So you had on, but that's okay. Something completely unrelated. We're thinking about like sandwiches or like something that has nothing to do with anything. We're remembering some conversation from like three years ago and wondering if that was the right response. Um, we, we are not thinking about you. Uh, <laughs> so what motivates you to do what you do and how did you decide that you, I mean, you knew, I know you had a plan. You was going to be a speaker and a motivator, but how did you get there? What steps did you take to get there? It was, it's been a, a curious journey. I'll, I'll put it that way. I started I and phrase. I began my successes very early in life. So I've accomplished a lot just because I started very early. So my very first published book and my first book tour was when I was 11. Um, i was a newspaper columnist when I was 12. I was on international stages in my early teens. I got to do all of these things very, very early. That's that's um, something of an anomaly okay. <laughs> to be able to do those sorts of things. And part of that was because my parents, although it, it's kind of this duality, and this is kind of the paradox where I say the reason why I say it's interesting. On the one hand, I had great successes as a, as a child, you know, being able to do all of these things, that's fantastic, that's amazing and mind-blowing, but simultaneously, there was a lot of chaos that was in my life. You know, my, my family life was tumultuous, we were a lower-class working family, getting by, like, kind of paycheck to paycheck. Um, I'm the eldest of three. And so trying, my parents trying to figure out how to accommodate all this extra stuff that I'm doing, plus take care of the rest of my siblings, mm -hmm. um, let alone the rest of the family, like we're getting any of them, just our nuclear family. And so this dynamic tension was happening where there's really high highs, but also really low lows to the point where a lot of the things and a lot of the, the chaos and tumult that was happening was never discussed outside of our home. And so the, the nurturing side of me is always wanting to, I'm, I'm a big sister, I've got to protect my siblings, I've got to watch out for them and their well-being. How do I manage that and also attend to my dreams and also have time for everyone to disappear so I can have time for my own thoughts. And it was a juggling act. It was really, it's, it's survival. What, what made the difference and what kind of turned the corner for me in, in this regard, as far as leaning into my introversion, was when I was in high school, I had an opportunity to go to a completely different school for their debate program. I was recruited to join a different school for debate. And I knew, I knew the coach marginally. I saw her like at maybe a couple handful of times during competitions. Mm -hmm. She was it, like that's it. And so I had a blank slate. There was, I didn't know anything about the culture that was there. I didn't know anything about anything except this lady believed in me. She hounded me for the better part of the year about how she would love to have me come here and she could see the potential that I had if I could just get there, then she would be able to, to really help me to thrive. And I believed her. I leaned into her belief in me. And once I got there and recognizing this is completely foreign, I began to ask myself, like, if I were just this person who's in my mind, what would that even look like? If I'm this, if I am who God says I am, and I am, and I'm going to accomplish what he says I'll accomplish, and I will, what is my role in this? How can I take a step towards that? What if I were to just try out doing this? What if I just tried out saying yes instead of saying no? What if I just tried out doing something different just to see like what happens? 
And that shift of me just allowing myself to say, okay, if I'm going to be a speaker on stages, then I need to be on stages. How many times can I say yes? If I'm going to be a writer, I need multiple people to see the works that I write. How can I write things and show it to people? And so these very small, almost playful types of steps are what open the floodgates of everything else. Everything else to this very day that I have and I do came from that decision to play into and to lean into my need for having quiet reflection and also my need to be able to share my gifts and my calling with the world. Honoring both simultaneously is what opened the pathway. When I was trying to be one or the other, it was it was killing me, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and either in adulthood, when I got off that path, it was, it was tampering with my mental health, my physical health, my emotional, spiritual health. Um, it was throwing me off because I was cutting myself off, but that, like, what if I just tried this? Like, what if I just said yes to this? Let's, let's see how it goes. Like that sort of almost nonchalant <laughs> approach. That's what opened it up for me. And even with the people that I work with, that approach opens it for them too. Because we're taking the pressure off. We're taking, we're taking off the attachment. Like people will call it the attachment to the outcome. Uh-huh. take all of that away what if what what you believe is the true vision of yourself is true okay well then if that's true there's nothing that you can do to like get rid of it it's true it's it's there so what can you do is like a first little thing to go towards that might not be a leap it might be a baby step but if it's going in the right direction then you're going in the right direction <laughs> so as you're embracing, as you're embracing your awesomeness as an introvert, how do you find the time? Do you schedule time with yourself to, to do the introversion thing? Because I know a part of you lives in an extroverted world and that can be exhausting at times for an introvert. So do you schedule time? Uh, do you give your permission to just say, hey, let's stop the train right now. I need to be quiet. So how does that work in your world? And how would you encourage others to do the same thing? Because I know a lot of people that are listening tonight have the same kind of issue. Women, especially, we have so many things going on till, you know, your attention is just everywhere. As you said, family, siblings, children, spouses, everywhere and work. Right. And, and, oh, you want to get back to your community? (laughs) <laughs> you, you want to have time with friends, friends? Uh, you know you want to do like basic yes um the short answer is both and <laughs> like, there, there is time that I have that I designate for myself to just do nothing that's usually in the evening sometimes in the morning just depending on how my week or my month is going um where there's time that I will just do nothing I will, I'm not, I'm not looking at email. I'm not answering texts. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to do something that is simply for my enjoyment. So that might be sitting on the couch, having a cup of tea while I'm playing Tetris. Um, that might be catching up on a show from years ago that I'm finally watching. Um, it may be any number of things that in the moment give me joy and delight. It might just be spending time with my kiddo or with my husband, uh, but having that time is essential. And that's time that I, I set aside, if you will, for that. But then there are also moments throughout the day that I also have for building in those places of enjoyment. So part of what, what recharges me and part of the, the steps, if you will, that fellow introverts, especially introverted women can take is when recognizing that there's nothing wrong with you needing to have time and have boundaries. There's nothing wrong with that. For a long time, I had a lot of guilt around needing that time. Like if I have these big talks and then I need time to, I, I, need, I need a nap. Like I, I need to just like take a quick cat nap. You know, I felt bad about it. I felt shame about it. There's nothing wrong with that. What is essential is that you create space for boundaries. So 
that might be as simple as you having a cup of tea. For me, one of those recharging between like meetings, if I have a lot of engagement, is just standing in the kitchen and looking out the window. <laughs> like just staring at the, at the sky is re-energizing for me. It takes like three to five minutes. But these small ways of bringing in more energy throughout the day, it helps when I'm doing keynotes and then I'm doing podcasts and then I'm meeting with people and then I need to go like outside and gaze with me. Like if I have all of this um, high contact, I need to have these spaces to interweave that energy building and also to turn down things. It's okay to turn things down. Oh, could you say when, that again, when, please? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the things, and it's, it's, it's not funny, but it's funny. One of the things that many of us introverts will do is in order to get people to like, just stop talking to us to stop bothering us we'll say yes to things like if I say yes to this will you just leave me be like will you just leave me alone um that never works because you said yes to something <laughs> you're going to have more people coming to you because now you're taking on this extra responsibility that wasn't yours to take on that you didn't want in the first place and honestly probably didn't even need to happen it's probably something that nobody needed to do it and it's just been taken on so it's important for us to say no because when we are taking on these extra things just because someone wants us to or because we feel obligated like that's the right thing and the polite thing to do we are adding to the things that drain us. Now, it's a different story if you are adding on things that are going to energize you, things that you are passionate about, that you are able to dive in with mastery for, that you're able to add connection and really to collaborate and contribute. That's different. That's a way for us to then tap into those skills that energize us. So even though it may require that we have more engagement, that we have more conversations, that we do more things, it's in a space that energizes us. And so mm -hmm. those conversations are easier because we're getting energy from that engagement. Mm -hmm. It's easier to say yes to that. But don't say yes just to get people to leave you alone. That doesn't work. Like you can, you can think about that for like there. I can say that there have been probably dozens of dozens of times that I have said, it's like, oh, if I say yes, will you just, oh, will you just like go away? It's like, yeah, sure. Wink. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. <laughs> I'm feeling guilty to it. So you're right. <laughs> it's so funny that we think that that would work. And, and the, it's understandable because we want to, again, when we're having these types of, of space, especially with confrontation, a lot of introverts don't want to deal with conflict or potential conflict. We will think through all of the ways that conflict might happen and how it can go completely off the rails if we even think about saying no, let alone actually doing it. Um, free yourself from that, from the guilt of your mind doing that. And recognize that if your mind can create all of the ways that it can go wrong with you saying no, it can also create all the ways it can go right from you saying yes. <laughs> you know, you don't have to take it on and it doesn't need to be your burden. And even if it doesn't get done the way that you would like because someone else is doing it, it's still getting done. <laughs> so free yourself when someone else is taking on that responsibility from needing to ruminate about how it should or could be because you did say no. And now it's this whole, that's not your responsibility. That other person said yes. That other person took it on. This other person did this. That's not your fight. That's, you've, you've got enough to deal with. <laughs> you've got enough going on in your mind to not take on someone else's stuff. So how do you encourage introverts to live deeply and impact greatly? And I need my introverts and some of my extroverts too to get a pencil and paper because this is actually good for everyone. As Jacqueline stated, we're not all in one place all the time. We travel the spectrum. So we need to know that what we're talking about now are great for all of us, especially playful, taking a playful step to lean into what you could do to achieve your goals. Everyone is afraid of that first step. So, so, yes. how, so the live deeply and impact greatly, how, how would we all do that? How should we all approach that? And then what so is I would say, us doing terribly wrong? <laughs> 
So I, I often recommend doing these three things and you don't have to do them in order. Um, they can be standalone, but the more of these that you do, the better. Um, so one way is by incorporating your empowered alter ego. Now I'm, I'll refer to some celebrities who are doing this so we can picture how this looks. So Beyonce is someone, she's an introvert also, by the way, um, and she credits her introversion with the being the reason that she's successful, one of the ways that she does this is by leveraging her empowered alter ego, her Sasha Fierce. So when she needs to do these outward facing things, so she's performing on stage, she's having interviews, um, she's seeing to pose in magazines, all these outward facing, engaging things, she delegates those tasks to Sasha Fierce. Sasha is the one who's who's like doing the most. Sasha's the one who's like half dressed and that we're spending millions and even billions considering their worth of dollars on is for Sasha. When Sasha is done doing the outward facing thing, she gives the reins back to Beyonce. Beyonce can then go back to having her boundaries where she can go to that place of introspection. She can write those songs that pull at her heartstrings. She can tap into the connection she has with talent that she's able to bring. There are all of these ways that by having that empowered alter ego, she is maintaining her sense of service to the gift that she has while maintaining her boundaries. And so we can do the same thing. Now we might not have a Sasha, but we have a something. So give your give your empowered alter ego a name, recognize what are those traits you want for that for that person, and then allow that person to be the one who does the outward facing things so that when it's your time to shine with being connected with being reflective, you can do that. So that's the first thing. The second thing that you can do is turn your insights into income. One of the ways that Viola Davis does this, and she's another introvert who credits this, this method, is that she uses the ways that she's able to connect the dots and she's able to pull into like the characters and the nature of different people that she just loves to observe. She brings those insights into the various characters that she portrays. So one of the things that she's so well known for is how she's able to bring such nuance to the characters. Like it's not just a one dimensional character. They're flawed, they're wonderful. And even if she has a small part, in fact, one of her smallest parts it's an eight minute part in a movie. She's playing opposite Meryl Streep. That's how she won her Oscar by being able to bring that insight and that mm -hmm. nuance and that mm -hmm. humanity. So for us, how are we able to bring these things that we notice? We are all always, because that's how our brains work. We're always noticing ways that things could be different. Here's a way that, yeah, this might be the solution, but there's a hole in that. There's a couple of holes in that. This might be a better approach. Oh, you need this particular project to happen. Well, I know these three people who would be great for it. This person can do this piece. This person could do another. Oh, I know a great. Our brains are wired to pull together all of these pieces and connect these disparate dots that extroverts and those on the extroverted side of things, they don't see that because that's not how they're wired. So how can you incorporate that into what you're doing? That might be in the products and services that you're offering. That may be in the solutions that you bring to your management or to your team. That may be even in the approach to delivering a solution, but being able to bring those insights into how you are then using, um, using those skills to create income and to create profit in all manner of ways is a way that we can lean into our introversion. And then the last one is by trusting our truth. Um, Naomi Osaka is very much an introvert and she's been recently in the news because of her introversion um, and how she is able to handle, I use air quotes with that, um, the pressures of being in um, the limelight. She has high anxiety in addition to being an introvert, but what's very powerful is her trusting of her truth. She has no problem with saying that my wellness takes precedent over anything else that you expect of me. I'm not going to sacrifice myself in order to meet your standards and expectations of what I should do and how I should behave and what I should approach. Like all of that is fine and good, 
but I'm not willing to sacrifice myself, my physical and mental well-being in order to appease you. What I am willing to do is I'm willing to stand in the truth of who I am and how I show up and create a space for other people that to then take that platform and build all the more. So last year, I believe it was last year, about a year and a half ago, she was in the news for pulling out of the French yeah. Open. And it's like, why would she do this? This is like her yeah. career is over. But by doing that, she created a platform that now has been able to impact all of these other people with companies bringing in different um, initiatives for mental wellness, creating funds for women, um, especially women of color to be able to thrive. Like all of this came from her standing in her truth. So how can we stand in our truth? What are the, the where's the one, maybe two places that we can say, you know what? I take precedent over everything. Because if I'm dead in a ditch, y'all will just step over my body. You'll forget I'm even here. I'm not willing to sacrifice myself to appease you, but I am willing to stand on who I am and I'm willing to lay a foundation that others can then build upon. Yeah, I was thinking about, there was a photo of Osaka. She was sitting back and people were says, oh, she looks so sad. And I thought, Oh, she doesn't look sad to me. She looks like she's having a good time. She's had some chance to hang out with herself. She probably hadn't had that in a few days. So yes, <laughs> as we talk the about stories that we attach, the stories we attach, <laughs> says, oh, "I wish I could do that." You know, <laughs> I mean, so as we go back to talk about the empowered alter ego, I know everyone has one. Maybe they don't recognize that they have one. And maybe it's because it's so different from who they are and maybe they don't know, mine has a name too. So how, how would you encourage people to embrace that and to let that person come forth because they could be great help to them as you pointed out in the, in the cases that you pointed out with uh, uh, Beyonce and even Viola Davis and Osaka, uh, you're, you're right. They could be great help. So how do we normal people allow that to happen because some of us don't believe that they can do that right well it's really it's really simple and like you said we do this all the time when we are in that space where it's like you know what I feel so confident like you're it's like whoa like you just perk up and you just you you're feeling it's not just that you're feeling yourself you're feeling yourself and your place in the world and you feel into the value of who you are because you exist being in that feeling is what having an empowered alter ego helps you to do on a regular basis so beyonce and, and talking about sasha one thing i i will let me preface before i say that people may think that your empowered alter ego has to be like some big to do it has to it doesn't right. have to be big. It doesn't have to be dramatic. You don't even have to necessarily like that personality, but it's a place for you to tap into all of those emotions and all of those traits that are going to help you to be of service. Beyonce has said numerous times that if she ever met Sasha, she wouldn't like her. She wouldn't spend time with her. She would fool with her because Sasha is too much. Sasha is, is she's got too much going on. That is not me at all. She has expressed this at length. And yet, by leveraging Sasha and leveraging that empowered alter ego, that's what creates the space for her to show up in her strengths, where she is reflecting on all of these creative outlets in these ways that she can bring her reflection into her music and her artistry by not focusing on those outward facing things, by delegating that to Sasha, it's what frees her to be able to lean into those introverted skills. So when we think about creating our um, empowered alter ego, you want to think about what are the skills or the tasks that you want that empowered ego to take on. For Beyonce, it's mostly when she is performing that Sasha is taking over. She she brings her in if, you're, if she's doing interviews, she may bring her in if she doing um, things that are of that nature. If it's anything that's outward facing, that's when Sasha is there. For you, it might be when you need to give a presentation. That's when you pull out your version of Sasha. It might be when you need to have a conversation with an employee. That's when you bring out your Sasha. You are the only one who can determine 
What are those skills or those traits that you want your empowered alter ego to embody that allow that outward facing um, expression of what you do to come forward? So that's first. Then you want to look at what are the actual tasks that you want, excuse me, you want that ego to do. So for Beyonce, it's, we talked about when she needs to be outward facing and on stage, when she needs to be in like the, the scantily clad, like super sexy mode, like she's not even dancing, maybe she's just photo shoot, looking sexy, serving face that's Sasha because those those traits of being sensual and powerful and confident and owning the room those are the things that she assigns to Sasha those are the traits that Sasha embodies and that's what we see it's like how can she be an introvert she's so like poised and powerful that's Sasha (laughs) that's what she's delegated to Sasha because that's Sasha's jam so you have what are those things where those skills or those traits you want your empowered alter ego to embody? What are those feelings or emotions that you want to be invoked by your empowered alter ego? And then what's a name? What's a name for your empowered alter ego? Because that name, that name should be one that for you, when you hear that name, it brings to mind immediately the feeling of being in that role. Like when Sasha, Beyonce, um, she talked about some years ago about why she chose the name Sasha Peters. <laughs> and it's very intentional. She chose it because for one, Sasha, she said for Sasha, every Sasha that she knows has no time for foolishness. They are about their business. They are not going to tolerate you treating them any sort of way. They're, they, they're not here for the games. Every Sasha that she knew had that trait and that's what she wanted to embody more. Fierce was the way that she wanted to bring in that sexy and that raw and just this all of the ways that a woman can express her femininity in a way that is still powerful and is still honoring of her. Fierce is what comes to mind for her. And that's why she chose the name Sasha Fierce. When she wants to get into the mode of embodying all of these things, hearing Sasha Fierce allows her to get into that mode. So what is the name for you? It might not be Sasha Fierce. It might be Kathy. Now, (laughs) if if it's Kathy, (laughs) I'm trying not to judge, but I'm judging a little. But (laughs) it doesn't matter what the name, because that's for you. No one else needs to know what what your alter ego's name is, what they do. That's all for you. But when it comes to those moments where you need to embody those traits, you need to embody those skills, knowing that this is your empowered alter ego's time to shine, you can hand over the reins with confidence because you know once that's done and that person has fulfilled their duty, they give the reins back to you. Now you can take advantage of having that boundary, being able to just think through and observe is those observations and that rootedness that we have, that mastery of topics, that's what we are able to give as fuel to our empowered alter ego ego. So it doesn't have to be a big to do. But if you're if you're thinking of crafting your empowered alter ego, those are the three things that you would do. So what or who inspires you with awe? Ah, I have a lot. <laughs> I am, you know what what inspires me is being able to to see people who are doing the thing that they are meant to do. And there it's there's there's an energy to them there's just like i don't agree with what you're doing i don't even understand what you're doing but i can feel your passion for it i can feel how not just devoted but how committed to being of service you are with what you're doing and i i respect it and i honor it and i'm just how can i get like you <laughs> so many people but that that sense of purpose um, and that sense of clarity and doing a thing with excellence and with service that's what inspires me and that's what brings awe to me and what one word best sums up you and your vision <laughs> what you <laughs> can have several <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think um I think my overall approach could be summed up as sophisticated whimsy. Uh, 
there's the there's the side that is very much about things being done in a certain way of excellence and in a way of of uplift and elevation but not so out of touch that i can't take life <laughs> with a grain of salt um that i can't bring that fun and that play that's necessary to do things especially the hard things uh yeah that would be those sophisticated whimsy would be my my word. <laughs> and what are you most afraid of? Oh, I'm afraid of a lot of things. <laughs> uh, I think when it when it really comes down to it, having not left the full legacy that I was meant to leave, and in big and small ways. I don't, I am terrified of leaving and having not done all of the things that I needed to do because somebody was waiting for me and I played small and I didn't do it. That scares me. That terrifies me. Yes. And a lot of us are still giving ourselves permission to play small and we need to stop that right now. Yeah. Because somebody's waiting for you. I mean, just think, for let me just say this just really quickly for those who may be in that space where I was like that's all fine and good but I don't know if I can I'm not sure if I should I don't know what people will think of me if I if I were really who I am I don't know people would not understand they would not believe all of that I understand it I hear you and also while you're feeling that there are people who are waiting for you to show up they can't show up because you are holding back the key that they need to unlock their doors. So while you're still in that place of doubt and you're in that place of, of really questioning, still take steps towards it because somebody's waiting for you. Just imagine the people who are most impactful to you. What if they didn't show up? What if they decided to play small? What if they decided to tuck those things away? Your life would not be moving in the positive direction. You wouldn't have gotten a breakthrough. You wouldn't have had that space where you got to see yourself clearly because of how they showed up. Somebody else sees you as being that person. So don't, don't sell yourself short, especially for us introverts. Don't sell yourself short waiting to feel like you've got it together. You may never feel like you got it together and you can still be successful and do things while you're feeling that same doubt, that same inadequacy, that same questioning. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's a requirement for us to have it all together. Cause no. I don't know that we ever reach a point where we're gonna have it all together. There's no such no. thing as perfection. And I think no. that if people move out and do what you do, however you do it, then those of us who aren't feeling pretty, aren't feeling so certain about ourselves would be willing to try because you want people to be able to feel the fear and do it anyway. We need to yes. do it. As I said earlier, some of us are sitting on our gifts at home and not sharing them with others, which is why you look around, at your, you look around and see the world is in such a terrible place because the universe sent us to do it. We are the miracles. Yes that we have been praying for. So we had an answer to our yes. prayers. So we need to get up yes. and do the work. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what do you want your audience to remember from your presentations, your speaking engagements, from your interviews? What do you want them to remember? The main thing is that you are awesome. It's not something you have to do or get or have. It's who you are by default. That's your baseline. Now, how do you use that to encourage yourself, empower yourself, and empower and encourage others along the way? Exactly. That was incredibly powerful. Yes. So, and I know you've, you've done a lot of speaking around the world. Um, is, there, is there one where people really enjoyed it, one that you really would like to relive over again? Is there one that was better than the others? Oh, no, not one. <laughs> not one. There, are, I, there, there are so many incredible experiences that I've had being able to, to go around the world with my family 
and be able to speak to audiences and create a way for us to be able to have that experience together. Um, having my childhood dreams come true because people trusted what I had to share and that they actually put it into use. And now their world is expanding. Like there, there are so many places that like, literally around the world where I don't know the language. I, I don't know anyone. Like I know like one person kind of like going back to high school. I know one person kind of <laughs> I'm going into these spaces and people are trusting me. They're trusting me with their life and with their soul and how they can show up for generations. Each and every time is a privilege because someone is allowing me to pour into them and they're trusting that what I'm pouring into them is good. Um, it's a big responsibility, <laughs> but it is such a joy and it makes me so happy to be able to do that because I've been on the receiving end. I, it goes back. I know what it's like to receive that. If I can give a fraction of it, like, I, like what else do I need? Like... <laughs> And if there was anything you could do all over again, what would it be? Hmm. Oh my goodness. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's tough. I'm always torn about that because on the one hand, it's like, you know what? If I didn't have to go through like that, I would not go through. Like getting hit by a car is something I would not want to do again. Um, I was crossing the street with my two-year-old and a car slammed into us, knocked me out of the crosswalk. It's, we're fine. We're fine. I would not want to be hit by a car again. However, because I got hit by a car <laughs> and I kind of the domino effect of that, it being in that accident forced me to be quiet and still. And in that stillness, I was able to receive what does it actually mean to embrace your awesome? What is the framework? Who are the women that need to hear from me? How do I need to approach them? All of this came to me because I was hit by a car, I couldn't do anything else. I was stuck, like convalescing. And so on the one hand, I would, I do not recommend anyone <laughs> try to get hit by a car for revelation. Like, don't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. And I would change that experience because I hate it. But I am so appreciative of what later unfolded because of that, that I'm hesitant to change it because I would I have missed out on all of this. Like maybe there would have been another way. Like I don't have to get hit by a car. Like somebody can throw like a jello cube at me or something. Like just <laughs> not a car, Lord. <laughs> like something nice and soft. <laughs> I say I need the cosmic two by four to make a change. <laughs> yes. It has to come hard before I sit down and really listen to it. And then, then it's like why that way it's like that's the only way you were listening <laughs> yeah it's like it's not a method I would recommend it's not a method that I wanted I'm grateful and appreciative of what came afterward but no I didn't need the message like that Lord <laughs> you didn't have to give it to me like that apparently I did because that's how I had to get it <laughs> You are a little busy. I need to get your attention quicker. <laughs> it's like you're doing too much. Like focus, focus, bus. <laughs> so really good. <laughs> you encourage others to list their heartbreaks or setbacks or disappointments. And how how do you help them use these things to change their lives? And how can because some people are at home listening now and they're they're looking at that like how can they how can they use those to change their lives we don't see a lot of that we see a lot of as i said earlier who did me wrong who's sleeping with who who killed whom and how much we even nails we can get but we don't get a lot of how we use those things to change our lives and that's what i think people yeah. need of. so how I mean, for, go ahead i was gonna say for for me then the most important part of it is kind of twofold. One, you have to take yourself out of it. You can't look at the benefits, if you will, or the positives of a negative experience if you're still healing from it. You can get some level of breakthrough, but you won't be able to completely because it's still raw. It's still, it's still not resolved. And so there's the one 
aspect of it that you need to be willing and open to heal those heartbreaks and those setbacks and heal the feelings. Recognize that it's okay to feel disappointed. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to lament what didn't happen the way that you wanted to in order to heal that. And then when you're in a space of healing, and even as you're in the process of healing, looking at what happened simply as it is, without the extra story, without the judgment, not judging me, not judging you, not judging the environment, let's take all of the judgment out of it and just look at what happened. Just look at the facts. And as you're looking at the facts, what, what is the breadcrumb that that thing set off all of these other things that happened, like going back to being hit by a car, would not recommend it, would not want to relive it. I had a lot of anger around that entire experience because there's, of course, getting hit by a car, obviously, um, while holding my child, another one, the whole experience around the medical profession around that, around my job and the reactions, just no compassion or empathy whatsoever at any step of the process held so much anger about that, so much anger and bitterness about it. And once I was able to kind of like, let me just take a step back. As I was laying here, angry and bitter, God was yet making a way out of no way. I was still getting revelation about what was my next in those moments when I needed to heal. My baby could have died in that, but he didn't because at the very moment before he started crossing, I heard very distinctly to pick up my child instead of letting him walk across the street. That decision to pick him up, 10 seconds later, I'm slammed in a car. Had I not been obedient to that really small notion, completely different story. So how can I listen to more of those whispers going forward as opposed to waiting until there's the loud alarm? Where are the places that I can have compassion? There were, there were people in my life who let me down immensely in that experience with just a lack of compassion and empathy. I can see in hindsight that they were doing the best that they could because they didn't know how to process what was happening. So where can I show compassion instead of anger first? Yes, I'm going to be angry. Yes, I'm going to be disappointed. But I can also recognize that it may not be something that's personally against me. It may be that you just don't know how to cope. And so rather than me getting upset at you for not being able to cope and upset with myself because I'm getting upset about you not being able to cope, how about I just give you some compassion? How about I just give you some grace because I want some grace. These are lessons that I learned after the fact. These are things that came after getting hit by the car. I didn't, I'm sure at all of the wisdom. I may have known these things, but I didn't know them like I know them like I know them until afterward. So this, I use that as an example for how you can take something that it's an absolute setback. There's nothing, there's nothing good to come out of it. Good can still come out of it. And you can still use that in order to not only enrich yourself in all aspects, but also in how you show up. So others understand and they see, oh, there is a way to survive through this. There is a way for you to not surely die because of this. Oh, you can still be successful and this happens wow, I didn't even know that that was a possibility for me to experience. People are looking at you that you will never, you won't even know. These people who are watching you and who are influenced by you, they're looking at how you operate and live life. And so you being able to survive and to then thrive and to be able to do so in a place of peace and joy and love and service then becomes a service unto itself for your world. Thank you very much for that. That is incredibly important because we have all experienced things. I know I have. And I yes. did my best listening when I was recovering. So yes. I got the two by four. Sometimes you need the constant two by four to sit still and listen. Guys, yes. it's been wonderful. <laughs> I want to thank you for joining me. Our time is up. Uh, this has been fantastic. We hope to have you back on again in the future just to see what good things are you are uh, up to because I am excited and I hope everyone has taken something from this in order to how to deal with your inter inter uh, being an introvert because a lot of people 
are trying to fit in someplace they're not, but you can still be successful. And as a matter of fact, the world needs more of you. And to go out and create that alter ego, I think that would be fantastic to give yourself a place to put that energy in that sometimes the world needs to see that it's not you. You've got some great, these were all wonderful suggestions. Uh, to those who have watched us tonight, if you have any more questions, be sure to send them to me. I'll be sure I get them to Jacqueline. And I, as always, want to say, may this day offer you just what you need in each unfolding moment. Do not go gently into that good night, but find a heel worth dying for and take it. Be the person that you're waiting for. Make today so awesome that yesterday gets jealous. And above all else, do it your way. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor. And as I always say, life is too short to drink cheap champagne. Good night to everyone. And thank you, Jacqueline, again. It's my pleasure. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Hi, this is Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor. And today I want to encourage you to refuse to be distracted from your goals. Today, I want you to affirm. I put my attention on my goals. I reject all distractions. My focus is exactly where it belongs. I choose my decisions and actions based on my goals. There are three self-reflecting questions I want you to consider. One, what am I committed to achieving? Does my focus support achieving that goal? Two, what are the biggest distractions in my life? What can I do to minimize those distractions? And the third question is, what would happen in the next year if I could avoid 90% of the distractions in my life and work on my goals consistently? Remember, I want you to use these steps and the answers to these questions to determine how you can refuse to be distracted from your goals. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor. And as I always say, life is too short to drink cheap champagne. Dream big. Have a great day. To drink cheap champagne So I decided to buy me A better brand To taste with my strawberry